Oh, I'm going to have fun with uh, this episode. Get ready for the first episode that would last three and a half hours. No, it's not going to last three and a half hours. I'm not going to let it. But uh, you heard of the term artificial intelligence or AI. Uh, More recently, you may have heard of something called ChatGPT. The simplest definition of AI is the simulation of human intelligence in machines that are programmed to think and learn. ChatGPT is kind of, it's something that's created, uh, I'll I'll give you their definition. It's a large pre-trained language model developed by OpenAI. It is based on the GPT, Generative Pre-Trained Transformer Architecture, uh, which uses deep learning techniques to process and uh, generate natural uh, language. Uh, I'm actually going to give you a few examples in, in this episode uh, of what GPT, chat GPT does. I'll talk about different types of AI at, at a pretty high level, but most importantly, and uh, should be pretty obvious to you, I'm going to talk about the relationship between artificial intelligence and chat GPT and trust right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? Let's start with what is artificial intelligence. Um, I wrote an article, and and that was that was pretty long ago, uh, and it's uh, kind of based on uh, my first book. Uh, my first book came out in two thousand seven. Was called Bowling with a Crystal Ball. It was about uh, projecting technology, forecasting where technology is going to be, where I actually made the claim that uh, technology is pretty predictable, very aggressively uh, and exponentially progressing, but very predictable. Uh, and, and I just did the math. And, and later I wrote this uh, in an Inc. magazine article. And I'm going to read to you a paragraph uh, that I wrote there. Uh, and it says, Intel believes that by 2026... Now, when I wrote this, it was long before 2026. So 2026 looked like some something that's going to be out there in the far future. Right now, it's three years away. So Intel believes that by 2026, a processor will have as many transistors as there are neurons in the human brain. A fourth generation Intel processor already has 7.2 billion, with a B, transistors and runs at speeds faster than three gigahertz. Actually, the computer I have right now has eight cores, runs at 4.6 gigahertz. In comparison, the human brain has 100 billion neurons, but runs only at 1000 hertz. So my computer here sitting next to me has eight brains, eight cores, running at 4.6 million times faster than my brain. Therefore, by 2026, a processor will have as many transistors as we do neurons in our brain, but will run at least 3 million times faster. Well, obviously more. And, you know, one of the articles that I wrote at that time was really titled uh, that by 2027, um, 
robots will robots will take over. Now, I, I don't want to scare you here, so I'm, I'm going to talk a little more about, uh, let, let's call it the, the less threatening sides of uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, I remember in 2009, I, I was in San Francisco in a conference by IEEE, the uh, International in- or Institute for uh, Electronics and Electrical Engineers. And it was a conference on a topic called CVPR. Uh, CVPR stands for uh, Computer Vision and Pattern Recognition. And I remember looking around uh, just at how many people showed up and, and were interested. And, and I was thinking to myself, uh, this this is going to take off. By the way, the previous time I saw an IEEE conference that had that level of interest was when we created Wi-Fi. So this is... This is of interest. People are interested in that and, and there's a lot of work going into that. And, you know, I remember one of the demonstrations there was done by a university. It was, uh, they, they took a video, a 30 second video from taken with a dash cam in a car. And uh, whenever that dash cam was seeing a speed limit sign, that computer program that was analyzing what the camera was seeing actually said the speed limit is this or that. There was a company in Israel that did that uh, commercially called Mobileye, Mobileye, and they were acquired by Intel for over $15 billion. $15 billion. Uh, I think it was in 2015, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, so, no, probably later than 2015. Anyway, so I, I looked at that video and I asked them, wait, is this done live, real time? And I was really excited. Uh, and, and the people there, the presenters uh, said, well, you know, in kind of a sheepish way, uh, not really. It actually took a week to analyze that 30-second video and, and get those those times out of it. But think about how fast computers grow and in their capabilities and and storage capabilities go up and the price of all of it goes down that today we actually not only have a camera that tells us what the speed limit is we actually delegate driving the car to cameras so we let sensors we let the car decide how to drive and, you know, I use that in, in my workshops when I talk about uh, trust and, and uh, do we trust self-driving cars, for example. And, and for most of us, we don't, but we, we really don't simply for the reason that we didn't spend enough time with it to trust it. And, and trust does take time uh, to build, time with no accidents. And, and by the way, nobody, whenever I ask and everybody, almost everybody says, no, we don't trust self-driving cars, nobody even asks the question, what is the safety record for self-driving cars and whether the fact that self-driving cars, autonomous cars, are actually 3.2 times safer per the same amount of mileage driven than driver-driven cars. And you know how many accidents we have done by drivers. A friend of mine just got T-boned um, uh, by by truck by by truck driven by a driver. So this is to you, Mary Kelly, and uh, we wish you uh, safe, quick recovery. Anyway, uh, so that's that's one aspect of uh, artificial intelligence: uh, self-driving cars. 
You know, the whole interactive voice response, you know, when you call uh, a company and, and you actually get an auto attendant that makes decisions based on your responses. Uh, there are tools that you can use. Uh, you know, I use something that's called real.so and real.so. Um, I, I give, I upload any episode, podcast episode, and he turns it into a short video. Lumen 5 is another technology like that that actually takes uh, text. So I write a piece of text. I put it up to Lumen 5. And in a matter of seconds, not minutes, seconds, I get a video with music and um, people moving and all. Uh, that That's really, I mean, 20 years ago, it would have taken a month or more to create it. And now it's, it's a matter of seconds and cost next to nothing. Uh, you may have seen a technology that's called deep fake. Deep fake is when... Uh, you take the camera and, and, you know, the video that comes from a camera and you actually change the facial features of the person there to be whoever you want it to be. You know, I could uh, uh, I could shoot a video of myself and then uh, using deep fake technology, make it look like I'm Tom Cruise. Don't know if that's going to help me or not. But it's sometimes in in simpler things, you know. Automatic greeting cards. Uh, greeting cards are, you know, we used to just take a card, buy a card. Uh, you know, companies like Hallmark, that's what they made their, their business from. And take a card and write with my hand something. Now, there are different apps or, or portals on, on the web where for free you go on and, and you write a greeting card and you put, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't even write anything unique. You just say, this is the email address. This is the name, write a greeting card, create a greeting card. It gets emailed to that person. And, and it feels like, you know, somebody really spent a lot of time in creating that. LinkedIn. I, I, I love, uh, and this, this is really a small example, but uh, when you go to LinkedIn and go to your messenger, you know, and by the way, I'm doing things uh, on my computer, so you're gonna hear some clicks uh, when when I do that because uh, you know it's live. So I uh, made a new friend. Uh, his name is Ross Bernstein, uh, and he's a speaker, a sports speaker, uh, very successful. So here's to you, Ross. And uh, you know, I shot him an email, a, a text actually over LinkedIn because we connected uh, on LinkedIn, and he replied to me, "Wonderful meeting you, Yoram. Thank you for your warm note and uh, for being so thoughtful. I'm very proud." to now call you my new friend, two exclamation marks. Right under that are two little buttons. One of them says, it's my pleasure. The other one says, thanks. I don't even have to write, it's my pleasure. I just click that button and it even saves me the trouble of hitting send. It just sends a message that says, it's my uh, pleasure. Uh, I wrote to somebody, uh, happy birthday uh, on LinkedIn. And, uh, or I'm sorry, somebody wrote to me, happy birthday. It was my birthday. And immediately there are three buttons underneath. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the wishes. That's also artificial intelligence. That's, that's kind of our uh, ability or... Um, uh, the computer says, let me think for you. These are probably the answers that you, that you want to give. Okay. 
Uh, with that, I want to jump into ChatGPT and give you a few examples uh, before I start going into uh, is AI good or bad? So I... I logged into ChatGPT. <laughs> okay, I tried logging into ChatGPT. And again, to, to remind you, ChatGPT is kind of like a chat box. Um, you know how sometimes uh, you get support and uh, one of the ways to provide support is through a chat box. And uh, so you communicate with your keyboard and, and your screen rather than uh, with somebody on, on the phone. Uh, so there is a chat box and uh, typically on the other side is a person. Well, more and more, the first interactions you're going to have are not with a person. But again, they're very focused in, in what you're trying to achieve. So, for example, um, I use Intuit's um, QuickBooks. Uh, and um, whenever I have a problem or, or I have a question, I, I go in and I, I start the chat box. And I can tell that the first interactions are actually with a computer, with, with a robot, right? And... Um, and after a while, if my question is something that that robot cannot answer with some off-the-shelf ready-made answers, then they connect you to a, a real person. Well, ChatGPT is is like a chat box like this, but it is highly intelligent in what it does. And um, you'll be surprised. You can ask it ask it to do things or to write things, really, not to do things uh, beyond writing. Uh, ask questions. And so, for example, the definition that I gave you for artificial intelligence and chat GPT, I actually chat uh, asked through chat GPT. Well, here's the funny thing. I, I tried logging in and the first thing that I got was a message that said chat GPT is at capacity right now. So I don't know what their uh, server capabilities are. By the way, it does take quite significant uh, processing power uh, to to analyze thinking, human thinking, to replicate human thinking, or even go beyond uh, what we think. Remember that one thing that that computer has that that we don't the uh, evolution of the processing power is exponential. The storage is forever. You know what do you remember? What do I remember from what happened yesterday? Storage here is forever. So imagine having that at your disposal, that your um, processing power of your brain exponentially grows and whatever you remember, whatever you saw and heard or something stays forever and is directly accessible at any point in time. Anyway, so the funny thing is I'm, I'm probably not the only person that's... Uh, Checking out ChatGPT, and by the way, I'm going to have uh, to give another shout out to Bet Zisnis, a friend of mine and a National Speakers Association uh, member that is, to me, one of the gurus that I go to um, in in terms of uh, technology and. Uh, and, and apps and things like that. And in fact, uh, she's going to be my guest in an NSA uh, North Texas lab um, in next, uh, actually, uh, almost uh, just more than a month from now. And, and we started playing with ChatGPT and it was just so much fun, the two of us playing with ChatGPT, uh, that that's going to be the topic of uh, our upcoming NSA lab. Um, 
And so the first thing that that was funny, I thought, was that ChatGPT was at capacity now because obviously uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out what he does or are just fascinated by what he does. The second thing that was funny was <laughs> when I tried to log in, uh, it asked for my email address and and password, obviously, and there was a chat box, a, a checkbox. You know what CAPTCHA is, right? <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I was certifying that I was not a robot, you know, so I had to check a box that says I am not a robot when I'm talking to a robot. Okay, so um, I'm I'm going to uh, now uh, switch screens and actually go to chat uh, to uh, chat GPT. And I want to show you. So a few things that, that I typed, um, one of them is, for example, I, I typed the question, is Yoram Solomon a trust expert? And I want to I tell you what, what it came with. Uh, it said, I couldn't find a definite answer on Yoram Solomon being a trust expert. However, Yoram Solomon is a technology expert and innovator with a broad range of experience in the fields of technology and innovation. He is a mentor, speaker, and author in various technology fields such as IoT, I hardly ever wrote anything about IoT, blockchain, I'm pretty sure I never wrote anything about it, AI, uh, very little, industry 4.0, I don't even know what that means, and more. He teaches lectures and consults, I don't consult, <laughs> okay? I teach, I, I give lectures, I do workshops, but I don't consult, on innovation, disruptive technologies, and entrepreneurship. I guess what this tells me is more of how far in the past this goes, or, or actually that it doesn't go too deep in more recent times, because I would be surprised if, if it analyzed my work in the last at least five or six years, it would come up with trust first. But based on what it uses here, it, it actually looked back into my past, and, and I was more involved. I mean, my first book, Bowling with the Crystal Ball, was a technology book, and that's, that's where I was involved. Uh, so it, the, the last sentence is, so it is possible that he has expertise in the area of trust, but I couldn't confirm it. Okay, so ChatGPT does not think that I'm an expert on trust. So the next thing that I did on ChatGPT was I, I wrote, write an introduction for Yoram Solomon as a trust expert. And here's what it says. Meet Yoram Solomon, a renowned trust expert with extensive experience in the field of technology and innovation. Again with that. With a deep understanding of the latest technologies, including IoT, blockchain. Really, I mean, I know what blockchain is, but, but I, I don't... Uh, I don't have deep understanding. Anyway, AI and Industry 4.0. Yoram is a sought-after speaker and consultant. I'm not a consultant. Known for his ability to help organizations navigate the complex landscape of trust and security in today's digital age. He is a mentor, author, and lecturer who shares his knowledge and expertise on how trust is the backbone of digital transformation. Really? and how to build, measure, and improve it. He's also recognized for his ability to help companies and individuals understand the implications of emerging technologies and how to leverage them for growth and success. And here it comes. With his unparalleled expertise and insights, Yoram is a true thought leader in the field of trust. You just said that I wasn't. 
And then I wrote, who is Yoram Solomon? And here is what I got. I apologized, but I'm unable to find any information on a person named Yoram Solomon. This is after you just told me who I was. It's possible that there is a person with that name who is a technology expert and innovator, but I couldn't find any information that confirms that. My previous statement were based... My previous statement were based... Shouldn't it be was based on the assumption that Yoram Solomon is a well-known person in the field of technology and innovation, but I apologize for any confusion caused. Okay, one more funny thing and, and I'm done. Uh, write an introduction to Yoram... This is what I wrote. Write an introduction to Yoram Solomon as a trust expert, but sound like a Shakespearean plan. Oh, great Yoram Solomon, trust expert par excellence, with knowledge deep and experience wide, in technology and innovation, he both excel, guiding organizations through the digital age to dwell. His understanding of IoT, blockchain, AI, and Industry 4.0 makes him sought after as speaker and consultant. True. Mentor, author, and lecturer, he both share his knowledge and expertise on trust and digital transformations rarest pair okay i'm not going to go through the rest of it uh they actually say that please note that uh, the above is written in a shakespearean style and may not uh, be grammatically uh, accurate one new things that the thing that i started doing um for my podcast is to actually do a poll and uh just so that you get a sense of the timing I issue the polls on a Monday, and the poll runs for um, for a week. Sunday is typically when I record the podcast episode, and one of the things I will do is I already had six days with the poll. I would look at the poll results and um, and determine, um, you know, one of the things that I like the most from uh, those polls are actually the comments, because sometimes the comments are really very insightful. And so right now I'm looking at the um, uh, at the poll that I created last week. So uh, the poll was uh, artificial intelligence, AI tools such as ChatGPT can create content in very little effort or input, but... Do you think they have an impact on the trust we have in people who use them? So it's not the trust that I have in ChatGPT, I, I, you know, based on just the, the responses that I got to uh, my uh, queries on, on ChatGPT. I, I'm not going to put too much trust in this as a tool to give me a good answer. But how about the trust that we have in the people who use them? Uh, and I actually said my next podcast episode will be about that. And I'd like to know what you think. Um and so uh, the question is, uh, do you think that artificial intelligence AI tools such as ChatGPT increase, reduce, or have no impact on the level of trust and why? So of all the responses, 0% said they increase trust. 0% said they increase trust. Now, you know, we can calculate what is the uh, margin of error, but I'll tell you what, the margin of error is a plus minus. So if the margin of error for this size of uh, uh, the number of responses that I got is 10%, then we're anywhere between minus 10% to plus 10%. But really, the average of that is zero. Zero zero percent of people thought that they increased trust. Nobody, nobody, none of the people actually said that they increased trust. 62% said that they reduce trust, 31% said that they have no impact on trust, 
7% said other and, and commented. So let me look at the comments a little. Uh, perhaps AI can change the way we trust. Uh, uh, we trust. We have to trust this within limits to compete uh, to complete certain functions. I love that comment from Micah, um, and uh, and I'll talk about that. Another person says, uh, you know, do people lose trust in others that use spreadsheets instead of doing uh, the math themselves, or use auto settings on cameras to take pictures? Uh, very, very good point. Uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, we have one person that said no clue. Um, and I did not want to share what my position is. I, I wanted to uh, first get this uh, done. So uh, there you have it. The responses for my poll overwhelmingly said that people believe that other people who use um, tools like artificial intelligence uh are people not to be uh, trusted or or let, let's say that they reduce the level of trust that they have in them now i want to address one point uh there was a great question about uh, do, does that mean that you shouldn't trust somebody who uses excel because excel uh cuts time short you know what i can say the same thing about electricity you know, electricity helps, makes our life easier. Uh, having electricity means that we don't have to spend our time worrying about heat and warmth and, and light uh, because we can just flip a switch and then spend our time doing other things. Um, you know, could we live without cars? You know, we used to walk or, or ride all kinds of animals and beasts. Uh, how about airplanes that make uh, travel much faster? Uh, should we not trust people who use airplanes because they can show up in another place in three hours? And, and, and back to spreadsheets. And, and that response actually made me think about the, the distinction that I'm going to make between AI that is helping, that's making our life simpler, from AI, and I want you to, to notice, because this is what, what's going to reflect on do I trust or not, AI that makes people think that I tried, or that I know, or that I think, or that I feel more than I really do. So it's really using AI to mislead people. And with that distinction, I'm going to talk about the components of trust, or, or at least, uh, let's see, uh, four components. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask another uh, question about, uh, you know, do I trust my students, for example, uh, if they're using uh, ChatGPT. So uh, I'll use the, the components of my relative trust model and uh, to, to, to come up with an answer, should I trust people who use AI less? But again, the, the focus here is not using AI to save time. And th this is the important distinction when everybody knows that I'm using it to save time and, and there's no secret from misleading people to think that I did something where in fact I have let AI or artificial intelligence do it for me. That's that's my distinction here. And here I want to give another shout out to uh, two more friends, uh, Mark Hunter and uh, Meredith Elliott Powell. 
uh, who have a weekly podcast on sales. It's called Sales Logic, and uh, you can find it in the Sales Logic pro- uh, Podcast. Dot com. And it was funny because I had breakfast with Mark just Friday morning, and we talked about a lot of things, and Saturday morning, I realized that uh, their podcast, uh, in their podcast, they were talking about ChatGTP, and somehow that topic never came up, that uh, we are both going to have uh, this as a topic for our podcast, and, and maybe it only shows how... Um, how important this topic is and how many, many people think about that. Okay, so my uh, relative trust model and how does that relate to trust? So the first component I'll talk about, uh, one of the components of the who you are is competence. Uh, Trust goes up. The trust level that I have in someone is when they are unique they are differentiated. They're not generalized. They don't recycle existing knowledge. Uh, I, I trust people who are creative. And that's me. You know, other people might not trust people who are creative. But when you look at things like uh, ChatGPT, you know, just the examples that I gave you on when I asked about who Yoram Solomon is, uh, it, it didn't find almost anything in the last five years. It went back in time to find the things that I've done, you know, 20 years ago, my my, my position in the industry as, as a technology expert. Um, so it really did not create any new knowledge. And at least for me, I know that I trust people when I know that they have generated original work, originality, uniqueness to me are part of competence and, and, and part of competence in the context of can I trust someone because they're competent, because they're unique, because they're original, they're creative. And I trust them less if what they do is they just recycle information that already exists. You know, I have to give you another example uh, from ChatGPT. I asked another question, and the question was, explain how trust is relative. Here's what I got back. Trust is a relative concept, meaning that it can vary depending on the context and situation. Different people, cultures, and societies may have different views on what constitutes trust and what factors uh, contribute to it. Uh, for example, trust in business setting may be based on uh, factors such as companies' financial stability. And, and the, the last, I'll jump to the last paragraph because there are like one, two, three, four, five paragraphs. Um, in summary, trust is relative concept, a relative concept that can vary depending on the context, situation, and individuals involved. It is multidimensional and can be based on a variety of factors, including personal experiences, beliefs, and values. And, and I, I wondered myself, when would I be generating a paragraph like this? And like this, this paragraph is right there at the top of the iceberg, the, the tip of the iceberg. What I know about trust is the the iceberg itself, but that does not come up with a tool like ChatGPT. ChatGPT is going to be pretty generic, pretty high level, pretty uh, or, or artificial intelligence in general. It didn't get to. It does not create content. I, I think nobody has the intention for it to create content. So to summarize that that component. 
Uh, I will trust people who are unique. W when they provide content that are unique, that are not recycling information, that are not generalizing, but are creative um, and original. And I'm not going to trust people or I'm going to trust people who generalize, who create no new knowledge, that just repeat, recycle existing knowledge, I will trust them less. Let's talk about personality compatibility. Uh, personality compatibility is one of the strongest components of trust, again, of the who you are relative to me. Are our, our, our personalities compatible? Do we see things differently? Do we share values? And in one of my studies, I found that the shared values is the highest has the highest correlation with trust uh, of eighty six percent, eighty six percent correlations between the fact that we have that we share values, assuming we share values, and the level of trust we have in each other. But if I know that what you're writing actually is not coming from you, but it's coming from a tool that you're using such as ChatGPT, I have to wonder, is what's coming through that tool really what you think? Does it really reflect your personalities, your values? And that's a problem. Now, obviously, it's a bigger problem if I don't know that that's what you did. If you're sending something to me and uh, I don't know that you actually used uh, ChatGPT, so that's a problem because you're misleading me to let me think that that's what you think. But in general, even if I know that what you did was use ChatGPT, forget about reading between the lines. I mean, we do a lot of that, especially in written communications. That's why I'm, I'm a big advocate to intimacy, uh, uh, much higher intensity or intimacy level of communications in person where I can read your body language, your facial expressions, and see if they're consistent with the words that you use. I don't have that luxury when all I get from you is the written word. But now that I know that the written word may have come up from a tool like ChatGPT, how much can I trust you based on what you wrote? I'll go to positivity and specifically the component of BS. And yes, BS is what you think it is. Um, if I know that you are using ChatGPT, what I believe is that you are misleading me to think that more effort was put. Now, if you can get it past me and I don't know that you use ChatGPT and I think this was original, then, then we have the other problems. We have the problems of what you provided is generic, not unique, and uh, you recycled existing information and maybe not correct information, uh, that, that it's not your true personality. But if I do know that what you did was use ChatGPT, then what I think about you is that you're making it look like something else. You're making it look like you've put effort, in, effort into it when you haven't. Misleading is a big part of distrust. And the problem here is not that you used ChatGPT to help you. The problem is that you tried making me think that you didn't. You tried making me think that what you did was original. 
And this starts really with the little things. It's it's again those little, um, you know, even the birthday cards. And I'm I'm guessing I'm not going to get a lot of uh, online birthday cards anymore after this. But um, I know that that you didn't put a lot of effort, but. The reason I trust you less is because I think you're trying to mislead me to think that you have, that you have put a lot of effort. But, but let's assume that I do know. Let's assume that I do know that you use ChatGPT or, or any of the other tools. And in many cases, it's not really hidden. You know, with, with those birthday cards, uh, it's not really hidden the fact that, that you use the tool and that the effort to create this this card was much lower. We're going back to time and intimacy. I trust people who put effort into, let's say, communicating with me. When I know that the effort was not more than hitting, hitting one button or just writing my name, I'm not going to assume that you've put a lot of time into it, and definitely not intimacy. So, if I know that that's the case, I'm just going to look at you differently. You know, and, and you may think that sending me this card is uh, shows how much you care, but if I know that the scope of how much you care did not extend beyond hitting one button. That's not going to build trust. And I'm not going to say that it's going to cause me to distrust you. I, I don't think that it's going to cost me, uh, cause me to distrust you. But I do think that the, the increase in the level of trust. So remember, the trust is built by good little things that you do and is destroyed by bad little things that you do. So uh, there's nothing bad in here in, in this uh, context, but the good is not a big good. If I know that all it took is one click or, or you know, just writing my name and lets a piece of software generate something, don't think that you using this tool makes me think that you tried harder than clicking that one button. I know how much time it takes. I know how much effort it takes. And if I do, that's the credit that you get with me. You don't get the credit of what the, the card looked like at the end. You get the credit for pushing a button. And that, you know, it bought some trust. It, it was a little positive thing because I know that you were thinking about me, at least for the three seconds from the moment that uh, Facebook or LinkedIn alerted you to my birthday until you hit that button. So I know there is something there and it was positive, but was very little because very little time, very little intimacy, very little effort was put into that. So it bought you trust, but very, very little. I have to admit that, that my thinking about ChatGPT really started, or in the context of trust, when somebody said, your students might be using ChatGPT to write their assignments. Doesn't work that great when I give them multiple choices, but uh, I, I'll tell you, the first thing I started thinking about is in the class that I do, do teach at SMU at, at Entrepreneurship, I can't see how they can use ChatGPT in those assignments. I mean, those assignments are nine different components of a business plan. 
And so there's a component that says, uh, for example, uh, the second section is company overview. Okay, so, you know, if I'm going to go to ChatGPT or my students are going to go to ChatGPT and write, uh, write a company overview for our company, what are the odds that it's going to include real valuable information that, that really is related to their company that they're, they're creating in that assignment? So in my specific classes or, you know, uh, section nine financials, I, you know, I, I should try it on ChatGPT, right? You know what? Let's just try it. ChatGPT, I'm on ChatGPT. Um, write the company financial highlights section for a business plan. Let's see what it says in response. Oh, this is funny. Here is what it comes up with. Company financial highlights. Startup capital in uh, square brackets, insert amount. Annual projected revenue for the first year. Brackets, insert amount. Annual projected revenue for the second year. Insert amount. Gross margin, operating margin, net profit. So really what it did is it just, uh, it's coming up. It's still doing it. Uh, it comes up with um, the uh, the outline of what needs to be there. Um now it's writing something else. It says, it's important to note that the above information is only an example of what a financial highlight section might include in a business plan. The specific information will depend on the company and industry it operates in. It's also important to have realistic and well-supported projections to have the uh, to help or with the help of financial experts to make uh, your business plan more credible. So, you know, it had some value, but but it, it really did not give us the section uh, that that I needed or, or that they needed. So, you know, in my specific class, I don't see how they do that. But but let's say that, that it wasn't. Let's say that it, my questions would have been more philosophical, maybe uh, less, you know, contextual like a business plan is. And let's say that they would use ChatGPT uh, to write it. So what should that do to the level of trust that I have in them? I guess it has to start with what do I think about, do I trust my students to start with? Uh, I actually have a different perspective on that. And, and I'm sure that it's it's different than other professors and, and maybe it's similar to other professors. Um, but to me, here's something that I tell my students as as I start the first week of the first of, of any class of a semester. I tell them two things. One is that you're not gonna fail this class. I mean, it really takes a very, very strong effort to fail my class. I don't want you to fail. I don't want you to worry about failing. I want you to worry about what you're getting out of this class. So if, if I think about that, so what would happen if, if they used ChatGPT and ChatGPT generated a response or, or a, a small essay that should earn an A? You know what? So we have tools today uh, to find plagiarism. 
And let's say that somehow um, it kind of bypassed that tool and, and no plagiarism tool had found it. By the way, I do think that we have plagiarism detection tools. I don't use it. I don't care. Um, I don't use proctoring software to monitor what they're doing. I know that... Uh, my younger daughter, Shira, uh, was taking classes. And I know that when she was taking an exam, she said, uh, nobody can come near my room. The door is going to be closed. I don't, I don't want to hear anyone because we're using a proctoring or the university is using a proctoring tool that's monitoring uh, through the camera, through the keyboard, through the microphone, uh, making sure that she's uh, all by herself. And I'm sure that there is no real attendant, but an artificial attendant that's checking to make sure that there's no noise or, or another person uh, helping her in the exam. I don't do that. I don't care. Um, I trust my students. And this goes back into trust is reciprocal. If you trust someone and you show them that you trust them, they will behave in a more trustworthy way. Doesn't work all the time, but that's that's my philosophy. That's my attitude. I'm going to tell you that I trust you. Now, if you didn't earn that trust, what did I have to lose? I had nothing to lose. I lose nothing. You lose everything. You gained nothing out of this class. So go ahead, use ChatGPT to do all of your assignments. You get nothing out of this class. And again, put aside the fact that in my class, it's really not applicable because it's highly contextual, uh, their, their assignments. So, you know, ChatGPT, heck, ChatGPT could not even tell me if Yoram Solomon is an expert on trust or knows anything about trust. And keep saying that I know things about blockchain and uh, uh, what is it? Industry 4.0, which I have no idea what that is. And that I'm a consultant. I'm not a consultant. I don't. I don't like being a consultant. Have nothing against consultants. It's just that's not what how I like to work. But I digress, and that's why these episodes are long. So the second thing that I tell my students are that it's going to be an order of magnitude easier for you to get an A in my class than for me to say that you have a great business idea. And, and really what it means is, look, I know that some of you, and I tell my students, I know that some of you are taking my class because uh, it's Wednesday night and, uh, you know, doesn't look like the requirements are very high. And we look at Rate My Professors and we see that people really get high grades and uh, they really like uh, being in this class. And, and that's why you took it. Um, and you're going to use ChatGPT or anything else to, uh, you know, to, to make it really easy. That's fine. I trust you that, that you are going to get what you want to get. And, and many of my students really get into this class to learn. And if you do that, you're going to take the assignment seriously. Look, there is no end to this cycle of, uh, uh, I don't know how to call it, cheating, counter-cheating, and, and so on. It's, it's like electronic warfare and counter-electronic warfare and so on, where we keep on evolving. I don't, I don't need to evolve the methods I have to catch you if you did something, uh, something if, if you, you know, cheated. I don't care. Go ahead and cheat. You're going to get an A. Guess what? You're not going to get less than a B. I never gave less than a B in my class. I think once I gave a B-. minus. Uh, it was once. I mean, really, that student had to try really, really hard to fail everything. Uh, and it's still a B-. Uh, 
great. I don't want you to worry about grade. I, I, I want you to worry about whether you want to take something out of this, this class. And if you don't, why should I care if you use chat GPT? Use whatever you want to use. Just write an answer saying, uh, um, <laughs> write an answer that says, I didn't really want to answer your question. And I can tell you that 40% you're already going to get simply by not making it look bad and writing within the word limit. Okay, you're already getting 40%. So I trust my students to want to get something out of their class. And if they don't, I'm not going to force them. I'm just going to give them a grade because that's why they're there. I'm going to give them that. Okay, off my soapbox. One last thing. When people, again, when I talked about the um, how artificial intelligence or things like ChatGPT, again, artificial intelligence is not only ChatGPT, but when I talked about those, uh, how they hurt trust, it's when they're being used to mislead. Okay, when you're using this to mislead, what you know, what you think, who you are, what your values are, and maybe most importantly, how much time and effort did you really put into it, then it affects the trust that I have in you. But you know what? And this is something that I always say when I talk about the eighth law of trust, which is trust is a two-sided thing. It takes two to trust. Uh, trust, the level of trust that I have in you is the product of my trustability, my willingness to to trust other people and your trustworthiness, I used to say there's nothing that you can do about the former, my trustability, my willingness to trust other people, and everything you can do about your trustworthiness, therefore focus on your trustworthiness. I changed that statement um, a few years ago, and now what I say is there's almost nothing you can do about the former, my trustability. And everything you can do about the letter, therefore, you should focus on your trustworthiness. But I don't say that there's nothing, there's almost nothing. So there is something. Because you see, when you use, when you mislead me, because you're using ChatGPT, and when I know that other people use ChatGPT, and ChatGPT or any other AI tools that are used to mislead me. Again, this is my my distinction, that it's to mislead me. Not you use uh, this, like somebody asked, uh, should I not trust somebody for using Excel spreadsheets? No, it's it's a tool that helps, just like electricity, a car, an airplane, a computer, anything. It's when you use that to mislead me to believe that a different level of effort, a different level of of, uh, personality compatibility, a different level of competence um, you have because you use that tool. So you, you used artificial intelligence to replace your own. It's the fact that I know that people use that that hurts my trustability. The more people use that, the less trusting I am of people in general. Again, you know, don't have this issue with um, with this um, with my students <laughs> mainly because uh, the assignments are very contextual. ChatGPT would not do it well. 
Uh, but maybe one day it will. And, and again, I, I don't care. But the fact that I know that many people are using it to mislead reduces my trustability. So even if your trustworthiness stays the same, the level of trust that I would have in you would be lower. You know, as I was listening to this last part, I realized that I wasn't actually giving you any advice or, or suggestions or, or thoughts. And, and it sounded like don't use uh, artificial intelligence or chat GPT or anything like that. And, and so I want to make it clear um, I am in favor of using artificial intelligence. I trust technology. Um, I've been a technologist for many, many years. I, I, I'm not the only person who predicted that at some point we're going to get to this point uh, of uh, what computers and robots are capable of. Uh, I'm not against it. I, I think we should use it just like we should use Excel and we should use electricity in cars and airplanes and, and anything that makes us more productive, that, that improves our lives, that make things easier. Here's the point. When you do do not do that to mislead other people. And when you do and when you're not sure whether the other person may think, and maybe there is a very low probability that they will, but may think that you are uh, generating or you're, you're, you're pretending to have generated content that in fact uh, you use something else, make sure that they understand. So if I use ChatGPT, I'm going to tell you, hey, I use ChatGPT. This is what I got out of ChatGPT uh, for this. It's fine. You know, I, I used less effort. I used that tool to help me. And uh, and I didn't put enough time or, or not enough. I didn't put a lot of time and effort. I want you to know that. Where you lose trust using artificial intelligence or ChatGPT or something like this, is when you try to mislead another person or you, even if you don't try to mislead them, but you know that there is a probability that they're going to think that you created it when you know that you didn't and you didn't clarify it. So that's my advice. Use those tools. They're great tools. They make life easier. Don't mislead people to think that you put more effort, that you know more, that these are your values without letting them know. Men were over 50 minutes. Uh, I, I had fun. I, I have to admit, I had a lot of fun. Uh, you can see also that uh, the uh, the nature of, of this podcast is very, very authentic. I, I don't, uh, you know, there, there are times where, and I may have done it twice in, in this episode, where I started saying something, but actually it's when I completely lose my my train of thought uh, and, and I have to just you know, stop, let, let's do that again. But typically, there are no redos in this. Uh, I, I don't over-edit it. In fact, I spend not more than 10 minutes editing those those episodes uh, because I want you to feel what I what I really think and, and as I'm thinking. Um, I, I make an outline, but but I really speak out loud. And, and you could see with this episode, uh, I was having a lot of fun with ChatGPT. Uh, and the fun really started when it said... Uh, uh, confirm that you're not a robot. Check this box to confirm that you're not a robot. Said by a robot, uh, preventing me from uh, communicating with a robot. But, you know, in, in full honesty, they, they just want to make sure that real people enjoy this tool. And it's not that uh, it just, it sounds 
kind of crazy. Anyway, I had fun. I hope you did as well. Um, you know, many times I, I record episodes as a response to a question that I get. Uh, somebody who says, would you trust this person more or less? Or or should I do this or that to, to be more trusted? And, and sometimes it gives me ideas to, to record episodes. And so if you ever want me to uh, recall, record an episode uh, for you or, or have a question, just, just feel free. Shoot me an email. I'm very responsive. Uh, shoot it to podcast at yoramsolomon.com. That's podcast at yoramsolomon.com. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you next week. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.